All right. Hey, y'all ready for the word, church? You are going to be blessed beyond measure this morning by his word. Uh, because the Bible says whenever his word goes forth, it, it doesn't go forth without a great purpose in your life. Yes? Are you ready to receive it today? That's all we got to do is receive what his word says for us and, uh, and and enjoy all the benefits that go with hearing his word. Yes? Amen. I got to stop. Where did that come from? I've never done that before. Let's not keep a counter either, okay? Don't you, you said it 132 times, right? Is it what? I'm, I'm clicking? Oh, oh, yeah. No, don't. Don't do that. Because now I'm all up in my head about it. But you know what? I'm about to get out of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for blessing us this morning, God. Thank you for, for, for speaking through me, God. And I just pray that you would remove any flesh, God, that you would just, that you would just speak your truth over your people this morning, that they would receive it, receive it, all the goodness that you have for them, all that you have done for them, giving us Jesus. May our focus be on Jesus during this time that we see your word. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the, the, the couples that have come in here with situations in their life, problems in their life. You are a problem-solving God. You love people. God, I pray that they see your love this morning. I pray that they see you as their solution. In fact, even right now, I thank you for giving their heart a peace about their sin. Thank you for bringing forth. Thank you for feeding us this morning. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. All right. Hey, so we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the Passover land. You guys are like, is this an Easter message? No, every message is an Easter message to me. Uh, because without that, man, it's, 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 it's very hard to understand what Christ did for us. But if you remember back last week, we were talking about the present truth, how, how Peter, he says this, right, in 2 Peter 1.12, he says, uh, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. We have a present truth now. That means, like if you were here last week, that there's an, there's an old truth, yeah? I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, we, we are in a present truth. There was an old truth. Now we're in present truth. We found out last week through scripture that old truth was an old covenant. Your Old Testament in the Bible, where it says Old Testament, the word testament there is literally covenant. We were under an old promise from God, and, and we were never under that. The Jews were. But now we're under a new covenant. We have a new promise established on better things. Yes? Jesus was walking, and we also saw Jesus was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were they were wondering what was going on. They couldn't figure it out, right? Can you, can you imagine the one you thought was going to save you physically died, was crucified? And then they, they didn't get it. They just didn't get it. Sometimes we don't get it, yes? Sometimes we don't get it. We need to be reminded that what Jesus did was a greater plan than what we could ever have imagined. We just we don't even know half. We don't even know a little bit of all that was done for us. We just don't. And these guys didn't. They're no different than us, right? Don't bang on them. They're no different than us. They were questioning, and they didn't know they were walking right next to Jesus for seven miles. And Jesus says that he 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 said uh, he went back. The Bible says he went back and told them all the things from Moses 
and the prophet, to the prophet concerning himself. Meaning that everything that happened in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, that's Moses, okay? And the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament, all those things were about him. Everything is a foreshadow to him, right? The greatest and most memorable sacrifice uh, came in Exodus chapter 12. It was the night of the Passover. And we're going to see, I believe that this is one of the things that Jesus would have talked to them about because it is the most uh, recognizable. There's a lot of sacrifices that went down back in the old days, the old covenant. But one of them sticks out. Everybody knows this one because it was the night they were delivered. Okay? The first time we see a sacrifice actually is in the book of Genesis. Uh, Abraham is, is walking his son Isaac up a mountain. Yes? To crucify Isaac. God told him to crucify Isaac. And uh, Isaac is no dummy, right? He's looking around, he's going, well, Pop, look, I see the wood, <laughs> I see the knife, I don't see any animal, right? Start to figure it out. Abraham says, hey, don't worry about it, son. The Lord himself will provide a sacrifice. Yeah, that's beautiful, right? Because we know that Isaac, he couldn't have died. You know why? He's not perfect. Isaac is a human like us. He wasn't perfect, so he wouldn't have been able to satisfy that requirement anyway. But that's the first place we see it. The most talked about, the most well-known sacrifice is the night of the Passover. And that's where we're going to pick it up in Exodus 12. Okay? Exodus 12. Uh, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. In the land of Egypt. Okay? They're not free yet. But he spoke to him saying, this month shall be your beginning of months. He's setting up the Jewish calendar right here. Shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month. Say 10th. Remember that. On the 10th of this month of the year. Oh, wait. On the 10th. On the, there I am. on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. So every household was to get a lamb. Okay, He's telling them how they're going to come out of bondage, how they're going to come out of uh, Egypt. Um, and if the household is too small for the lamb, think about that statement. Who's our lamb today, church? It's never the, 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 the house is too big for the lamb. The lamb is always too big for the house. That means whatever problem you got going on in your house, if it's a family member, if it's finances, I want you to know that is a truth for us today. That's a present truth. That the lamb, Jesus, is always bigger than anything going on in your house. In fact, there's enough Jesus to share with other houses. So he says, uh, if the lamb, if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. You can have as much Jesus as you want. You can have as much Jesus. Now, he's given us everything, but it's, it's, it's up to us to take as much as we want from him. Yeah, you got to give something to God. Yeah, okay. How's that working out for you? What can you give to God? Well, I got to give him my attention. I got to pray all the time. I got I to, I got to, all right, good luck with that. How many of you guys have tried that? Yeah, and we fail. Try, fail, try, fail. In other words, rest in him and his finished work, and all those things will be accomplished. Stop trying so hard and stop resting more. Yeah. Yeah, you go up to the plate and try to swing it back, right? If, if you're focused on the crowd, you're all stressed out. 
If you go up to the golf on the first tee, I hate the first tee because I can't walk. And there's people waiting behind me. And, and I'm like shaking. I'm nervous. And like my ball goes like 10 feet over here. I hate it because you get all nervous. But if you're rested and you're not thinking about all this other stuff, you actually perform better. It's just the way it is. God wants us to rest. That's what he called us to do. This is also a beautiful, I thought of, uh, of the missionaries that we have here. This is a beautiful take on missions. Like, Jesus is too big for your house. Share him. Share him with your neighbor. Take it out. Take him out. Take him out. Take him out. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's why Isaac couldn't die. Now, we have the liberty of looking back. Abraham didn't know that. Isaac sure didn't know that. But we have to know that it has to be a lamb without blemish. Okay? Perfect. Perfect. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or, or from, the, from the goats. Now, this is interesting. It has to be a male of the first year. Okay? Um, why a male? And why first year? So young. Just a little lamb. A male of the first year. So this is actually a picture of Jesus. Again, remember, they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus can be explaining this stuff, all this stuff that points to him. It's, it's unbelievable how everything is a shadow about Jesus. I want you to look at John chapter 1, verse 29. Remember this? The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the church. The world. Don't forget that, church. It's not just us who's forgiven. Everybody in this world is forgiven. If they accept the payment. See, the problem is not sin anymore. They're rejecting the person that paid for their sin. You can't go around saying everybody's sinning. That's why they're going to hell. No, the only reason people go to hell today is because they reject the payment. They reject Jesus. Not because they sin. If it was sin, we'd all be in trouble. Yeah? Sin is paid for. Not just the church's sin, the sins of the world are paid for. And, and here comes the lamb who takes it away. See, in the old covenant, it was the lambs would cover it for a year. But here comes the lamb, the true lamb of God, who takes away sin. Your sin, my sin. It's all taken away. There's no more condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. And if God is not condemning you anymore, in fact, the Bible says he, will, he doesn't remember your sin anymore. If God's not remembering your sin, church, stop it. Stop beating yourself up because you failed. Don't let the enemy get up in there. Don't let yourself get up in there. We got to claim I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because Jesus made you righteous. It's not what you do. It's what he did for you. So when you fail, you get back up and you keep moving. God's like, come on, come on. I went to see uh, the Black Panther last night. I did. I, I thought it was awesome, right? My favorite line in that is when he, when they bury him and he goes to see his father and he looks at his father and he falls on his knees like this and his father's like, hey, rise up, you're a king. And I thought, so am I. So am I. I'm a king. That's what the Bible says. Kings and priests. That's who we are. And God wants you to know, hey, when you fail, rise up. You're still a king. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. 
It doesn't say he loses his righteousness. He just gets back up, keep moving. God's like, come on, let's go. That's paid for. Stop focusing on that and let's move forward. Am I speaking the truth, church? Or am I making this stuff up? It's all in the Bible. Everything I'm saying, you don't use enough scripture. Hold your horses. Buckle up. Everything I'm saying is scripture. I should have got a a panther suit. Because I feel like the Black Panther right now, boy. I feel like flipping around and doing some stuff. We have nurses in here. Randy Jeter's a nurse back there, boy. He's a little hard in. If it comes to mouth to mouth, though, I ain't having that. I ain't gonna wake up and see Randy Jeter all up on my face. Hey, let's get back to scripture. What are y'all doing, man? To the pure, all things are pure. in the world. Okay. Uh, so, oh, by the way, who, when John looked at Jesus, who was he talking to? It's important. It's important that we know the audience of the person talking in the scripture, yeah? Yeah. So John's talking to Jewish people. They knew when John said, here comes the lamb who takes away sin, they knew about the lamb who covered sin, but now they're looking at someone who takes it away. They knew exactly what John was saying. They knew that there was something different about this man, Jesus. He wasn't coming to cover it. He was coming to take it away. That's important. Don't you agree? Back to Exodus. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male the first year. You may take it from the sheep, from the goat. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day right, uh, of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Tenth, the 10th day they got the lamb, a little cute lamb. Why in the world would God want a lamb to come into the house? Think about it. It's with him for, for five days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right? 14th day is Friday. 10th day is Monday. Why would God want them to bring a lamb in, let it live with them? I told the youth this Wednesday night. I'm like, man, if you got a brand new puppy and they came in your house for five days and you had to kill it on Friday, how would you feel? They would get attached to it. They would love it. They would be treading the day that happened. And you know why God said to do that? Because he wanted you to know how much he loved his son Jesus. He wanted you to know what he was giving up. He wanted you to know that that's how important Jesus is to him. And he's doing it for you. Everything in scripture is about you. Including that young male man. Don't ever forget what God gave up. What he had to go through to turn his back on Jesus. For those three hours that Jesus was on the on the cross and it got dark from twelve to three. That was the only time in history that anybody, anybody, see most people can be rejected by God if they don't accept Jesus. Right? They can be rejected be rejected by men. They can be rejected by hell if they're except Jesus. But no one's ever been rejected by all three except Jesus. God turned his back on him. We turned our back on him. Satan killed everyone right there. When Jesus hung on the cross, no one was with Jesus. Only man ever in the history to be rejected by all three elements. And he did that for you. Now we can't sit here and go, 
opportunity to walk through life. Instead, that's in you. Give him glory. Be joyful. Be thankful. Don't walk around with your head down. I don't want to say it. Did you hear something? Don't, don't come at it as, oh, woe is me. It was me that put him on the cross. No, man. God put him on the cross for you because he loves you. Now, that changes some stuff when you start focusing on the right thing, yeah? It's important. And kill him at, at twilight. Kill him at twilight. That is 6 p.m. 6 p.m. in the Jewish calendar, okay? I love that whole thing about God wanted you to know how he felt knowing his son was going to die for you. You think that was a tough week for Jesus? It was a tough week for his dad. Why didn't God choose a mature lamb? We just talked about that. I got ahead of myself. All right, so let's go to John 3.16. This is what you got to know about this lamb. This lamb that God loved, right? God loved, but he wanted them to hold it for five days. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to love it. He wanted them to love it and know what it's like to give up something. But it was a lamb. It wasn't their children. It was a lamb. God gave up his son. Why? Because he loves us. Look, for God so loved the world, not the church, the world. God loves the world. They need to know that there's a God who loves them. They don't need their sin pointed out to them no more than you need your sin pointed out to you. They need to know that God loves them in spite of their sin. First time anybody ever said something like that. Before. I don't even know what to say. I believe you, though. <laughs> For God so loved the world, the world, the world, the world. Say the world. God loves people. And it's not because they're sinners or not sinners. We're all sinners. God loves people. And, and, and he gave, he, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that verse. Look at the next one. Don't, it, it's just as important as that one. Amen? Amen? Four, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Some people say, God's coming back. He's coming back. He's going to judge everybody. Yeah, people are going to be going to hell. Almost so cocky that they're going to be flying up like this. I told you, man. That's horrible. We got to remember that we were lost too. We were lost too. We got to love people like God loves them. God loves them. They're lost. God loves them just like he loves us. That's what they need to see the church. They don't need to see us point to their sin. They need us to point them to a Savior. Oh. Woo. Oh, look at this, John 1. And, and the world the world became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Some people preach it like full of judgment and condemnation. No, Jesus is full of grace and truth. How many of you guys know Jesus or God as being a judge? Like when you mess up, he's going to break out that big old heaven paddle, and he's going to put it on your buttocks. Anybody? Let me tell you something. That big old spanking went on Jesus. You know why? Because he didn't want to do it to us. He loves us. He knew we couldn't do it on our own, so he sent Jesus, the perfect lamb, to take that for us. 
Now there is now, therefore now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are beating yourself up, you got to stop. You got to stop beating yourself up. Stop looking at yourself and start looking at Jesus. The payment for your sin. The quickest way to get out of sin is to stop looking at your sin. Stop focusing on your sin. The more you focus on sin, the more sinful you become. The more you focus on your Savior, the more like your Savior you become. That just makes sense. And that's why it's in the Bible. And that's why God's like, duh. See, men have jacked it up with religion. I was one of those men. I jacked it up with religion. I put myself in bondage. Stop looking at your failures. It's not for you. We're going to fall. God knows we're going to fall. But he doesn't condemn us when we fall. He's the lifter of our heads. That's what he does. Because he loves us. Yes. Where was Jesus five days before the cross? Listen, that little lamb had to be in their house for five days. Why? Remember, it had to be perfect. After five days, you will know if there's anything wrong with that lamb. After five days, you'll see if there's any skin condition on that lamb, right? So for five days, that lamb is being examined to see if it's perfect. Five days before Jesus was on the cross, he was in the temple being examined by the Pharisees. They didn't even know. They had no idea they were examining Jesus, the true lamb of God. They were asking him questions, Matthew 22. They, the whole chapter is about them testing Jesus. And everything Jesus did, he was testing. So all this chapter 12, you just see Jesus coming in. Remember when I was in the temple? Remember when I flipped over the money table? Remember all these people in the temple? They were questioning me. They were examining, they were examining me. And they found no, no fault with me. Even the, the non-Jews, they had found no fault with that man. Literally, he was being examined five days before he went to the cross. Back to Exodus. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood, say blood. blood, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. You, you, you see the lintel and the doorpost and they're putting the blood on it of the lamb. Putting the blood on it. What do you see when they're putting the blood on it, church? The cross. The cross. It's the blood of Jesus. He's sitting there saying, hey man, that whole thing was about me. It was about me going to the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And, and, and notice, where is the blood? Where's the blood? It's on the outside of the house. So the blood is not for you, it's for God to see. God says, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. Church, our present truth, that's where we are today. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. And, and, and God says, man, there's one thing God's eyes cannot look to, and it is the blood of Jesus. He can't see our sin. You know why? Because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. That's why he can legally say, I, I don't see any sin in you anymore. The mercy seat. Hey, Paul, welcome back, bro. Missed you. It, it was horrible without you. The, uh, not this thing, the, the, the underneath that thing, I keep pointing to it like everybody knows what's over there. <laughs> the, the Ark of the Covenant, right, has a mercy seat on top of it. Uh, all a man's failures are down in it. The, the, the Ten Commandments where he failed, and the, 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 the rod, the staff, Aaron's staff will reject God's people that he chose, and, and the manna will reject God's provision. All a man's rejection is in that Ark. 
And God says, cover it. Put, put a cover over it. Cover it with the mercy seat. That's where they would sprinkle the blood. And God could not see where man rejected because the blood was uncovered. The mercy seat. And the Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus is our mercy seat. That God looks at Jesus. He looks at us through the prism of the blood of Jesus. It means he doesn't see our sin anymore, church. That doesn't make you want to sin anymore. It makes you very thankful for what he does and has done. Yes. And if God doesn't see our sin anymore, why do we see sin? Why do we see people with their sin? Did Jesus say you see the plank in their eye? And if God doesn't see our sin, and we know that, if we know that, we can truly love people and not focus on this. Yeah. So let me skip down to verse 13. Look at verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the disease, the plague, shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. He says, when I see the blood, not when I see your good name, not when I see your good works, not when I see you going to church or Bible study, when I see the blood. See, all that good stuff you do doesn't save you. The blood saves you. And it's not, it's not just the, for the Jews. Look, it's not because they're Jews. The Jews are God's chosen people. But if they didn't have the blood on their doorpost, they were going to die. So it doesn't matter if you're a good Jew, a bad Jew, a good Christian, a bad Christian. Your actions don't matter. Nothing to do with action here. Only the blood matters. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Yeah, that's beautiful, yeah? There could have been some Egyptians that believed some of the Jews, and they could have put blood on the doors, and they would have been saved. Because it's not that the fact that they're Jewish, it's the fact that the blood was on the doorpost. Yeah. And Jesus is telling them all this, and they're probably like, man. Yeah? They're like, we do sometimes when we see this stuff. We're like, man, how do that in everyone? Dude, that's not I envy those guys. <laughs> I, literally, I literally am your father. Check this out. Then they shall eat the flesh on the night, roasted in fire. Say roasted in fire, church. All this stuff has meat. Roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with the water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall eat, uh, you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. What is roasted in fire? What does this have to do with Jesus? I want you to know, when Jesus hung on that cross, he took the full blessing. He took the full wrath of God. The, the all-consuming God put his all-consuming wrath on Jesus. And he took it off. He took it off. And that's why it's called the roasted lamb. Because Jesus was the roasted lamb. He was burnt. He had to take all of it. All your sin was put on Jesus. That's what this is symbolizing. You kill the lamb, and then you burn it. You, you, you roast it in fire. So when we read over it, we're like, well, what's up with all these details? And I'm glad I didn't live back then because if you're not detail-oriented like me, you'd have skipped a bunch of steps. You're like, I'm not going to kill it and then roast it. I'm just going to roast it knock out a step. But all these things are about Jesus. See it in every detail. 
is about Jesus. And it's perfect. It's perfect. God had to punish sin, but God is love. Pastor Dwayne said that earlier. God is love. Yeah? But God is also just. God has to punish sin. He can't just skip over it. He had to punish, he had to punish sin. And, and, and so the problem was he he loved people. He loves us. He loves people. And he is love. But but his old nature, his old nature, see, he was always a God of love. But but sin came in in Genesis 3. And God had to punish it. He's a just God. See, and, and some people will point to your sin. You you got to know that, that God will punish your sin. He will find it. Your sin will come about. He will find you out. Yeah? But that's old covenant. My sin's been found. It was on the cross. And it stayed on the cross. It's not mine anymore. That's why I'm free. That's why I can talk boldly like this. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm very thankful for what was done for me. I know the price that was paid for me. And I give him more glory now than I did my whole life growing up in church. <laughs> they start throwing them back. We got issues. All right, so we got to know that God is love. That's his true nature there. He's always been love. But, and he loves people, but he had to punish sin. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Exactly what Jesus did for us. So if you are still thinking that God is out to get you when you sin, you are under an old covenant that has been demolished. The Bible says that Jesus obliterated that old covenant. Yeah, beautiful. Check this out in Romans. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's Abraham, right? Abraham was accounted righteous because he believed God, right? Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Talking about righteousness, he gave him a gift of righteousness, uh, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us, it is righteousness, shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses. Jesus hung on a cross because of our sin. But why did he did he rise up out of the grave? To justify us. So yes, he died for our sin. But don't ever forget that he's alive today. And when you see him alive today, you stand justified before God. Whoa! I got the chills, man. I ain't had these chills since I first saw Kelly. That's called brownie points. All right, man, take some notes. I'm kidding. She got chills. She's like, ooh. Who is that? Really sad. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, don't ever forget, guys, that the reason Jesus is alive today is because we've been justified. When we get to heaven, there's no more trial. The trial's been done. We are justified. That's the only way you're going to get into heaven, knowing that. Knowing that Jesus died for your sins, and he's alive today, and he's justified. You stand justified before God. Don't, don't fear the future. Feed on the roasted lamb for strength. You remember they had, to, they, they had to roast the lamb? Well, today we feed on that roasted lamb for strength, right? So look at Psalm 105. He also brought them out with silver and gold. 
they didn't come out poor. I'm not making this stuff up. And you call me what you want to call me. I'm reading the Bible. They came out. God blessed them. God blessed them. They came out blessed beyond measure. And there was none feeble among them. None. Now think about this. They were slaves. They were making bricks. And they were having to carry them. And they were building buildings. And, and you know in the hot sun they were being whipped. And all that. One night changed all that. One night changed it. They fed on the roasted lamb. And then they, none feeble. There was none weak among them. So if you want some strength, you feed on the roasted lamb. That's what that's all about. That's what that's all about. You come to that table with confidence. And you feed on that roasted lamb. And you and the, the Bible says there will be none feeble among you. You want strength? Come to the table. Yeah? You believe that, church? Read this back to Exodus. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist. He's telling how to eat. Uh, sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. So sh you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. What in the world is he talking about? He's telling you that you need to be dressed when you eat it. Why? Because he's telling them, hey, you get dressed and you get ready to get out of your bondage physically. It's going to happen tonight. You get dressed and be ready to go. You see it? So they ate, they ate that roasted Passover lamb, and they ate it fully dressed, ready to go, expecting to be delivered. Yeah, church, think about that. So this is how we come. Take the Lord's Supper, expecting to be physically delivered. Because it wasn't a spiritual thing. They were in bondage physically. And God said, you feed on this roasted lamb, and you will be delivered. Get dressed, get ready, prepare. Prepare. Like you're going to be physically delivered. Yeah. Y'all ready to do that? It's a great place. This is why I, was, I just thought of this this morning. I'm like, look, when that comes, when we get to that point, man, I want you to have that. I want you to hold that cracker, and I want you to expect to be delivered physically. Because that has nothing to do with your forgiveness. It has everything to do with Jesus' body being broken on your behalf. That is the result of you being forgiven. Yeah, you accepted Jesus, you're completely forgiven. But don't ever forget, there's something powerful in that crack. And all you got to do is come by faith. Just like he said, that's how we're supposed to take the Lord's Supper. That was the first Passover. And they took that crack and he said, dress like you're, you ever hear dress for success? Yeah, that's where it comes from. Everything comes from the Bible. He's saying, man, you get dressed like you're about to walk out of here. Now in the back of their mind, they're thinking, man, they're going to kill us. The Egyptians are going to see us leaving, they're going to kill us. God's like, man, don't go down. Just take this on that road to land and expect to be delivered. How do you guys want to expect to be delivered? Do you, don't you love knowing that God wants you to have that confidence? He wants you to come by faith. There's only two people in Scripture he said had great faith. And they weren't Jewish. It was their faith. They didn't know anything about the Bible. They were not Jewish. But it was their faith. So I'm telling you, if you're visiting here, and, and, you, and you've accepted Jesus sometime in your life. Have great faith that he's not looking at your past. He's not looking at how many days you missed church. He's still the same Jesus today. He loves you. You can take that with confidence. Don't take it with fear. Come. It's a loving table. All of God's love is right here on this table. It's represented in the cracker and the blood. Both of them represent Jesus. So let's do that.
I can tell you story after story after story after story after story in my life where I've seen God physically deliver people from a sickness or it's happening within my own family. Do you have people like that in your family? Maybe even you're one of them. See, the Bible says where it was true, where it was noble, where it was right. Those are the things we focus on. Too many times we focus on what hasn't happened or what God doesn't do. I'm telling you, there's nothing God doesn't do. He does everything according to his purpose, his plan. Our faith comes from knowing that he's got a perfect plan. Always. There's a lot of people in with a lot of things going on physically in their life. I can only tell you this. What scripture says is that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses and diseases. And so we can either focus on that or we can focus on, hey, what about the people that are sick? What about the people like me? Like Thursday, pray for me. I got to go in and get a thing done uh, because I have what they like to call melanoma. Because back in the day, you know, I was trying to get all tan and stuff. But God's like, you're not supposed to be tan. I made you but white for a reason. <laughs> I'm not there trying everything to get tan and all that back when I was in high school, all right? Now I look back and I'm like, God made me butt white because that's when he was curious. <laughs> Did he say butt? You said butt, 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 You guys good with it? Here's the point. Yeah, I got some stuff going on, man. But my Jesus has already paid for it. And I can either focus on that or focus on what if he doesn't? What if I don't? You know, what? We don't live in what if, guys. We live in it is finished. And the more you come at it with an it is finished attitude, you'll start to see things happen. And I know from experience, and, and I've tasted and seen that he is good. And when you taste him and see that he is good, it's hard to go back. But the enemy will come, man. He'll get up in here saying, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? Don't base it on personal experience. Base it on the word of God. Yes? Let's pray. Hold it boldly. Expect, church. Expect, church. That's the word from the Lord. Expect it to be done for you, church. Yeah? Your God loves you. And when your faith is weak, you rely on his faith. Sometimes we don't even have the faith to make this statement. But let me tell you something. He does, and he loves you. He'll give you that, too. Let's do it. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that his body was broken on my behalf. That he bore the wrath that you had poured out on him that was meant for us. That he bore it. He is the roasted lamb. And as we partake of the roasted lamb, there will be none feeble among us. Your name, Jesus, is greater than every name. It's greater than melanoma. It's greater than cancer. It's greater than diabetes. Your name we proclaim because there's great power when we don't know what to say we just say Jesus God we thank you for what you're doing in this room right now your presence is so so it's visible in this room we thank you for doing an amazing thing here this week thank you there's people in this room right now that came in with stuff that they didn't even know they had and you were taking care of it. There's people that came in here with fear in their heart of stuff that they do know they have. But God, you are bigger than that. And you have, just by feasting on this cracker, representing the roasted lamb, Jesus, the real thing. This cracker is a shadow, a reminder 
that Jesus has already paid the price. And by faith, we say thank you. miracles that are taking place in this room right now. We see it by faith. That's all we can do. We eat this cracker. Every time we do it, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. The greatest gift you'll ever receive is the shed blood of our Lamb, Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God that took away sin. Right? Didn't cover it up, took it away. If you've been struggling with sin, if you've been given a reminder of sin, of where you fail all the time, let me just tell you something, and I want to reassure you that your God doesn't see it. Your God loves you perfectly right where you are. That's why he says, come as you are. You can't come clean. You can't get right before you come to God. It's impossible for you to get right. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we do this. We got to remember, by the blood of Jesus, we are completely clean. In fact, we start at the at the finish line. See, see, see Jesus says, he says, you are complete. When you are complete, there's nothing more for you. Yeah? We start at the finish line. The moment Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave his last breath, that's where we start. We are completely clean. God says, you are forgiven. He says, all your sins are forgiven. All of them. The Bible says, by the, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The power of sin is in the law. The more you sit under law, the more you, the, the law points to you. And the more you sit under law, the greater the power is the sin. The exact opposite is true. If you remove the law, you remove the power of sin. Yeah? Isn't that the truth? Think about that. The more you try to say, you shall not, 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 you shall not. The more you fail. Paul said that. Paul said, man, I tried it. I tried to keep it. Every time I tried to keep it, in my heart, I wanted to keep it. But I failed, and I kept falling, and I kept falling. That's what the law was designed to do. The law was designed to show you you were a sinner. But Jesus came so that you could know without a shadow of a doubt that you were righteous. His grace is greater than any sin you could commit. And where your sin abounded, grace superabounded. And when we drink this cup, we remember that. That's why it's so important to do it. You don't have to do it every Sunday here. You can do it at home. Drink, eat a cracker, drink the cup, and remember that you are forgiven. Remember that we can drink this cup. We can come boldly. We can come to Jesus and say, thank you that you don't see me as a sinner. You don't see me cussing out the driver at the red light, whoever that was. If it was you, I'm sorry. Look. You see what I'm saying? We all fail, but don't focus on your sin. Focus on Jesus, who paid for your sin. And that's the quickest way to stop sinning. But the more you focus on your sin, you're going to continue to sin. Listen, drink this cup in remembrance of him. What about Jesus? What did he do? He died so that your sin was put on him. He took your place. He took your sin. You took his righteousness. It was a divine exchange. Y'all ready? <laughs> Expect, yes? Expect. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he himself went to the cross. He looked in that cup and he said, not my will, but your will be done. He knew what was going to happen. He knew the sufferings and yet he chose to go to the cross because he loves us.
And God, right now where we stand, where we sit, you see us as righteous because of what Jesus did for us. And the only thing we can say is thank you. Thank you for your grace. We can just That's a joke. Don't say that either. Because they know you get that point. <laughs> All right, while they're doing that, come on, let's go. Hey, we're almost done. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. If you had a firstborn dog, it was going to die unless it was in that house covered by the blood. People say, hey, will my dogs be in heaven? I believe they will, and I can prove that scripturally. Look. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you. We read that earlier in houses. And I will see the blood. I'll pass over it. Uh, so this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as, as, it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And every year they did that up until Jesus. And they still do some of this stuff today. You guys know any Jewish uh, practicing Jews? They still do this stuff. The unleavened bread, I was talking to Mike Barnes earlier, they will clean their refrigerator out. They'll sweep under their refrigerator. They will get the bread out of their pockets and their pants. There will be no bread in that house. They have to cleanse their house of the, of the unleavened bread. And that's why Jesus Jesus, that's why Jesus went into the temple on, on, on Monday and flipped the tables over. He was cleansing the temple. It was his father's house. You think that's by accident? No, everything's about Jesus. That whole Exodus 12 is about Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God. So check this out. Matthew 21. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Right? You remember I told you, Jesus was being tested in the temple for five days before he went to the cross. They were examining the perfect Lamb. And see these guys? The blind, the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Not one of them walked away not being healed. Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Everybody that came to him was healed. Yeah? He's no respecter of persons. It didn't matter what disease it was. They got healed. And there was no qualification. They just came to him. Right? Check this out. But when the chief priests, that'd be the pastors of the day, when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were glad they were ready to worship no man they were ticked they were ticked the wonderful things he did he was healing people and they were mad that still happens today religious people don't like it when people get set free they don't they don't like a free church they accuse you of stuff. Telling people that the license is sin. They don't need a license. Any car carrying sin members? 
I'm serious. We got to do that one day, man. You know how you can make fake licenses? been a long time listen I don't I never had one you didn't need one over there on 6th street because I know <laughs> right so they were mad right they were mad at Jesus doing all this wonderful stuff check this out then the Pharisees this is Matthew 22 if you want to know how Jesus was being examined by the, the priest look the, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk he was answering their questions. They were examining him. They had no idea they were examining the lamb. Exodus 12. That, that, that Jesus was Exodus 12, the true lamb. They had no idea, and yet we see it right here. Look, this is Leviticus. We're talking about the appointed time, right? Who who is who made the, the lamb at twilight? God said that's the per appointed time, right? Leviticus, these are the feast of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed time, right? On the 14th day, the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Friday night, good Friday for us, Friday night at 6 o'clock, that would be the start of Passover. Now, there's two nights you can do Passover. Jesus did it on the night before. He did it on Thursday night. According to our calendar, you got to understand what I'm saying Thursday night, right? Jewish calendar is different. We celebrate Thursday night. Friday is Passover. You with me? Okay. There's two different calendars, but this is what it's saying. Jesus, at his appointed time, he's the one that said that. So Jesus can make it whatever time he wants. Yes? So look at this, right here in Matthew 26. This is Jesus. Now, now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? This The Passover is Exodus 12. You see the correlation? Exodus 12, the Passover. And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. That, see, he has the appointed time. He's Jesus. Like, there's no watch with Jesus. Yes? Amen? Jesus is perfect. He made the time. And you look at this in Mark 15. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right? Now look at this, Mark 15. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. The third hour is 9 o'clock in the morning. That's when the lamb was tied to a post. And back in the day, that's when the lambs, they, the thousands of lambs were there to be sacrificed, right? So on that day, even in John's gospel, if you look at John chapter 12, verse 1, it says on the 10th day, six days, actually, six days before the Passover, Jesus came in. Jesus came in on a donkey on Palm Sunday. That would be six days before the Passover. It all runs together. Everything's about Jesus. Give him the glory. Amen? Everything's about Jesus. So he comes in on a donkey on the sixth day. Five days he's being tested in the temple. He's being examined. And on Friday, good Friday at twilight, he dies. But look at this. At, at 9 o'clock in the morning, that's when they start putting the lambs up there. And I found out through doing some study and some research, they put the lamb, they tied them by their, their forearms out like this so that they could they could skin them and the blood would drain what does that look like church the, the, the while the sacrificial lambs are being strung up and bled out our savior the true sacrificial lamb is having the same thing happen to him and they didn't even know it so at nine o'clock in the morning these, these these priests are bringing these these lambs up right they're bringing the lambs up and and they're sacrificing them back in the day if you had a guy man i really want to do this 
Um, oh, James, come here. Get me. If you haven't seen this, it's unbelievable. This is how it went down back in the day, right? Man, you both. You are the chosen one, my son. Chosen one. All right, so you are the the priest, right? So you get on your your, your knees there. Uh, James is is you don't get on your knees. You're bringing your offering to the high priest, right? You bring your offering, the little lamb, give it to him. This priest never looks at him, never looks at him. You know why? Because he's a sinner. He's a sinner. The only thing that he looks at is the lamb. It's the lamb that he brings, the sacrifice. That's why God can say, I'm looking at Jesus and not you. Aren't you glad we're there? Yeah, yeah. So then he would come and he would lay both his hands on the sheep. Why both hands? His sin is going into the innocent lamb, and the innocent lamb's righteousness is going into him. It's a divine exchange. So now that innocent lamb took his sin, but he also becomes a gainer. He gains righteousness, something he didn't have when he came. Are you with me? That's who we are today. Yes? And then what would happen is the priest would take the knife, and you'd be done. The priest would take the knife, cut the throat of the lamb, and then sprinkle the blood seven times, roast the lamb in a fire. If you're going to the Holy Land experience with us, which is coming up, we're going to talk about that later. I can, this is awesome. This is awesome, right? So he cut. Anybody used to play that game when you were younger? <laughs> Look, it's not a good game to play. I, I don't know how to close it. So he cuts the lamb's throat, right? Now this guy walks away. He puts that burnt offering, and, and it's a aroma to God. And as he walks away, he is a gainer. He is leaving with something. He, that's the way we should all feel. He's leaving with something he didn't have when he came. He came dirty. He came a sinner. But he walks away with righteousness for one year. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. That's what Jesus did for us. So when Jesus is on the cross at 9 o'clock, they're, they're tying those things up at 9 o'clock. And there's a shofar horn. And a, and everybody in the city, everybody in the city knows that the lamb has been tied up nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then and then and then they're all coming in. And they're all, thousands of people coming here for this thing. Right. It is Exodus 12. It's the biggest one, the one they remember the most. And they're coming in and, and thousands of people with all these sheep are coming. And at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, that's when Jesus, it becomes dark. It becomes completely dark. Mid day became midnight when he was on the cross taking your sin and that's when God turned his back on Jesus he turned his back on Jesus so he could face us and he could say hey guys welcome home welcome home because my son's paying for your sin right now all of it all of it you can come to me boldly the 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 the, the veil has been torn you can come into the throne room now boldly because of what he's doing and you know that had to break his heart but let me tell you something. Think about it this way. It broke his heart to do that, but the only reason he did it is because he loves you that much. 
He loves you that much. And, and, and then, and then at, three, at 6 o'clock at twilight, when that happened, what would happen? The priests would recite as they're passing the blood. They're, there's a bunch of line of priests. They're passing the blood to the altar, dumping it, passing the back, passing, dumping the blood. At twilight is when they kill the, 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 the lambs that are up there strung up. It's, it's when they crucify them. And at twilight, that's when Jesus dies. At 6 o'clock, he said, all Exodus 12, Leviticus, all the offerings, is all about Jesus. All of it. And as the priest, this is their ritual, as they're doing the passing of blood, they would recite Psalm 113 through 118. And I went and looked that up, and I was like, it's almost eerie. I told Pastor Dwayne yesterday, it's almost eerie to think that as they're reciting these words, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in so I want to show you Leviticus, the last part. Psalm 118. This is it. Okay. Psalm 118. Y'all good? This is it. I'm going to bless you. The voice of rejoice. Now, all these priests, all these Pharisees and scribes are all reciting this. They're all saying it. Every, every Passover, they're doing this. They're reciting it together, almost singing it in a chant. Now, you think about your Lord hanging on the cross. They're doing it for the sheep, the, the shadow. Our true lamb is hanging on a cross outside of the temple. Outside the gates of Jerusalem. And they don't even know that they're singing this about what's happening. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. Right? The, the, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Who does God call his right hand? Is he doing valiantly? Yeah, he's out there dying on the cross. He's doing a perfect work. Yeah, think about that. Uh, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. He was lifted up on a cross, but he, after, after he died and rose again, he was lifted up even higher to the right hand of God. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. In fact, when Jesus was dying, death was losing its sting. Open to me the gates of righteousness. That's what he was doing. They were chanting this. They were singing it. And he's like, that's what I'm doing. I'm opening up the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. You can only get to heaven by Jesus, by the righteousness of Jesus. And he gives that to you as a gift. Though which uh, the righteous shall enter, I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua is on a cross. They don't even know it. Right? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. The cross was the Lord's doing because he loves people. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. They're looking at sheep that are a shadow. The real thing is out there. Yes, this is the day the Lord has made. It didn't catch God by surprise. He knew Jesus would have to hang on a cross. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now. I pray, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, I pray. Sin now. Prosperity. Because Jesus died, you now have all access to everything in this world. It's yours. Everything is yours. There's no downfall in heaven. 
God is the creator of everything. He's your shepherd. If there's something you lack, ask him. Where am I? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. They're in the temple. Yeah, the true temple is on the cross. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. It talks about the lamb in Revelation, seven horns. Yeah, on the altar. Uh, you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And because Jesus, the true lamb, is out there on the cross, he is good, and his mercy, his grace endures forever. And it's all because of what he was doing on the cross. That's what they were chanting. That's what they were singing while Jesus was out there. The true lamb hanging on the cross. This is the ritual. And all that ritual was to point to Jesus, the real thing. Yeah, last verse, First Peter. This is it, I promise. Last two verses. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, you can't buy your way into heaven. You, you don't deserve heaven. You can't earn heaven. Heaven is a gift given to you freely by Jesus. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. He's talking about Exodus 12. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You ever read the Song of Solomon? Even? You ever read the Song of Solomon? It talks about the bride being without spot. That's who we are. You know what? That is all about Jesus too. That's a whole nother sermon. But let me just tell you something. You, right now, as the bride, are without spot, without blemish. God doesn't see spot on you. He doesn't see sin on you. He doesn't see a blemish on you. You shouldn't see blemishes on yourself. You should say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. To do anything different is pride, and you're saying what Jesus did was not good enough for me, that I still have to pay for my sin. And God's saying, stop paying for your sin. It's paid for. Dang. We should give Jesus the praise and glory right now. Will you stand with me and do that? I told him that. Hey, listen, I hope you came in here. You might have come in here expecting something else, but I hope when you walk out of here that you walk out with hope, Bible hope. Bible hope, the word L, peace in Greek, a confident expectation of good coming your way. That's Bible hope. It's not worldly hope. We're not saying I hope it works out. I hope this happens. It's, I am confident it's going to happen, and it's going to be good for me. That's faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, you can please God. You can do anything in Christ. You know what it means to be in Christ? Have faith that what he did was for, for you. Stop beating yourself up, church. Stop beating yourself up. Stop carrying around guilt and shame. It's not for you. Jesus took that. Don't take it away from you. You know why? You're not a perfect lamb. He was. And is. And is to come. I'm just throwing out stuff now. Hey, let's uh, let's pray. Before we do, you guys bow your head. I just want to say this. If you uh, don't know who Jesus is, you don't know who the lamb is, you don't know what was done for you, man, 
I would love to speak with you at the church. Find me. I'll be right out there. I'll go right in that room with you. I'll just talk to you a little bit, and I'll introduce you to him. The Bible is very simple. The Bible says, pray, say with your mouth, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe that he's still alive today. The Bible says you will be saved. It says nothing about confessing your sin. It says confess Jesus. And if that's you, I'd love to do that with you this morning. If you need a prayer request, there's people in here that will pray with you. There's people in here that will lift you up. There's people in here that will remind you who you are. And more importantly, there's people in here that will remind you who your father is. And they'll let you know that God's got it under control. Just let it go and trust him. Yeah? If that's you, we'll pray with you. There's people in this room that will pray with you. Don't walk out of here. Don't walk out of here thinking that you've got to handle this on your own. Satan wants to isolate you. Man, we're an assembly of God. We come together. We believe with, in the same fashion, and we pray over each other in the same fashion. And there will be great power in that prayer. And today especially, I'm feeling it. There, I ain't afraid of nothing except my wife looking at the watch. <laughs> And if you're looking for a church, let me just say, this is it. This is what we believe. This is who we are. If, if you see things happen, most people would freak out. We trust the Lord. We know the Lord is going to do his thing because it's the Lord's thing to do. There's nothing we can do for him. He does everything for us. We just walk by faith. That's who we are. If it's Pastor Dwayne up here preaching or me preaching, you're getting the same thing. On Wednesday night, down there, men are getting the same thing they get here. Women, same thing out there. Youth right there. Children in there. Let me just tell you something. We are on the same page. We have a like mind in this church. This is who we are. We're free. We're not bound by religion. If you want to be a part of that, we'd love for you to come fill out this 22-page application. <laughs> That's a joke. Just tell me, man. Tell me you want to be a part of this church. We'll just sign your name. It's just for, it's just for uh, secretary, secretarial purposes. There's nothing you can do. There's no class to take. We are who we are. There's no 12-week class. Amen? Come as you are. I'm going to pray. Get us out of here. Pastor Dean. Hey, man. I didn't know you were here. You want to pray for us? Because I want to receive prayer. Is that okay? Listen, I, this man is a man of God. He amen. will pray the truth over amen. you. And our only role is to say amen. That's how we receive in prayer, right? When he's praying these truths over you, he's blessing you on your way out. He's blessing you when you came in, and now he's going to bless you when you're going out. And you just say amen. You take all the promises of God. You take them by saying amen. Because you're saying, hey, may it be so to me as he is saying and he ain't going to say nothing but the word of God as it comes out of his mouth. Just says, amen. And take it with you when you go. That favor, that light will be on you everywhere you go. You go into a restaurant, people say, hey, man, there's something about that person. And it's not just because he looked awesome, but there's something in him. There's something in him. And that's the light that God is talking about. Be the light. Take what you have right now, the hope you have, and go out there and change the world with it. Yeah? Amen. I'll finish with a yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are in our lives. And we thank you for who you've made us to be. For you have declared that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you for deeming us worthy to receive your precious lamb that your word says was slain before the foundations of the world. That means, God, you knew beforehand that we would sin and we would fall away and we would be at odds with you. But you still loved us enough to give your only begotten son, to make a way 
of escape for us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you, Father, for being our Heavenly Father. We thank you for the relationship that we have with you. We thank you that Jesus didn't die for religion, but he died so that we could have right relationship with you. And it's because we believe on him and we believe in him that we have been declared righteous, for you have justified us. You have set us apart. You have sanctified us. You've drawn us to yourself with your love and kindness. And you've put your word and your love in our hearts. And you've given us a commandment to love one another as you, Jesus, have loved us. And we thank you for that love that we have received from you and that now we have been equipped with and that when we leave this place, we can share that love, that you will be glorified in the earth. We thank you for allowing us to be your representative, Jesus, your ambassadors, for we are the ambassadors of Christ. And may your love, your love flow through us in the same manner in which it flowed to us. Thank you for freely giving us what we have received. And let us freely release that love, that peace, that comfort, that grace, that mercy to all those we come in contact with. We thank you for equipping us with your word today. We thank you for reminding us of who we are and whose we are in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We ask you now to just go before us and continue to make our path straight and order our steps so that, Father, we can take your love and your grace and all the many bountiful blessings you've bestowed upon us out into this world. And we can give them hope that confident expectation of good that we have. We bless you and we thank you and we glorify you. All this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. 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 We are released.